Amen. Well, thank you, Nancy. And, you know, I wanted to say I'm uh, really excited that we're starting this 40 days of prayer and fasting this week, but I don't act like it's special. We need to really make 40 days of prayer and fasting a pretty normal part of our church life. Amen. As we uh, spent some time in South Asia uh, earlier last year, at the beginning of last year, one of the things we really saw is that 40 days of prayer and fasting was something that they almost never stopped doing. And it really spoke to our hearts about uh, spending more time with the Lord together as a church family, prayer and fasting. Amen? Amen. Are you sure? I'm not sure. Amen? All right. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. I'm worn out. I, I, I tell you all that a lot after the music. I'm worn out. That was, thank the Lord. I share with Pastor Matt. Thank the Lord for him and for the worship team. I thank the Lord that we've never had personalities on our stage. I thank the Lord that they are true servants of the Lord that just seek to, to worship the Lord. If I could play the drums, I'd tear them up for Jesus. Amen? If I could play electric guitar, I would absolutely wear it out for the Lord. Amen? Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And as they do that, the Lord blesses that with His anointing and His presence as His people are called to worship Him. So praise the Lord. Pray for me to get my breath back. Amen. All right, turn your Bibles to Nehemiah. I believe I can with the Lord's help. You believe it? Amen. Nehemiah, I don't have an electric guitar, but I got some vocal cords and a tongue, so I'll do my best to wear them out for you, all right? And wear out the Lord's Word tonight. Turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 3. That's where we're studying in our series uh, that we're doing together called Starting Over. Well, feeling or actually being totally alone is not a good feeling, is it? I want you to think about that. Feeling alone or actually being totally alone is not a good feeling. Have you guys ever seen that movie on the History Channel called Alone? I want you to kind of see a trailer, if, not, if you haven't seen that before, that uh, describes a little bit about what that show's about. Take a look. Spend a lot of time alone in the wilderness. You better like yourself. This is a whole new level of survival, and we're trying to film it. I commend anyone who can survive in this area. There's a bear right across. Hello, Mr. Camera. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not a fan of moving around camera gear. It's really easy to just become your own worst enemy. The solitude is driving me insane. I don't have a camera crew to talk to, and I don't have any interaction whatsoever except for me. Front door. I'm sitting in here. I was just charged by a bear. Could be into the woods circling behind me. I don't know. The last man standing wins $500,000. But it's not worth dying over. What was that? Well, you sit at home and you watch those shows, you think, I could do that. I could do that for what? I don't remember how much they win $500,000, whatever it might be. I could do that. No, you couldn't. You're not strong enough. Can you imagine being out in the woods by yourself? For I can't even remember how many days. They don't think of like 60 or 90 or 100 or 3. I don't even know. We've watched it a time or two. But you heard some of the struggle of those people as they were describing it in that clip. What kinds of things do we struggle with when we're alone? We struggle with dealing with ourselves, don't we? 
with being by herself? Am I happy with where my life is? Am I happy with the direction? Do I like myself? Survival, they talked about on the harshest level. Feeling like you're losing your mind. Feeling isolated. Having no interaction with other people. That would drive me nuts. I'd be talking to every tree on the island. Amen? i got to have somebody to talk to. Facing those big dangers that they were facing on your own. Now, in some ways, we might look at that show and wait. Listen, friends, we might be tempted to think, no, that's extreme. That's extreme. And maybe in some sense it is. The reason they have a show is because it is extreme. It's not something that everybody wants to do or is willing to do. But listen, I don't think it's very difficult. I don't think it's very much of a stretch for us to say that maybe the severity of a situation like that is not too far off from real everyday life today. Amen? We are living in a very extreme environment. In a very severe, if you will, situation. Today, I want to talk with you about the fact that, listen, God never intended for us to walk through that alone. It is not God's plan for you to live that alone. And I'm not just talking about negative things. I'm not just talking about dangers that that we face in life, though that is certainly true. But I'm talking about also God never intended for you to walk through this life pursuing His purpose for your life alone. That was never meant to be done in isolation. And today we're going to talk about that in our series together in the book of Nehemiah. We're going to talk about you can't do this alone. We've been doing this series over the last little bit. We're going to be doing it for the next couple of months together. Talking about starting over, looking at a man named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, God had spoken to his heart. He heard about some people. He heard about really his people. In a sense, he was distanced from them because he had grown up in another land. But these were his people. And he heard about this terrible situation that they were in. And he sensed that God wanted him to do something about that. And we've been talking about that. We've been talking about that, that God is calling us. God is calling you. God has a purpose for your life. And you can go ahead and, and just assume that it's probably going to be to bring hope to somebody else. Amen? It's going to be deliverance. It's going to be salvation. It's going to be help. It's going to be rescue for someone else's life. And Nehemiah, he began to realize that. He began praying about that. He began working on a plan for that. To do something about that. And I hope that as we were entering into the holidays, God had begun stirring into your heart. And I hope you see, we've changed a different year on the calendar, but we're not over this message yet. Amen? That wasn't a kick we were on at the end of 2020. God is still speaking to us about something He wants to do through your life and through us together as a church family. But Nehemiah began to realize he could not do it alone. So he began to share that. He began to share what God had put on his heart to do with other people. And he began to invite them to join him in that. And we saw those people. If you go back to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18... We saw those people respond to that call. He invited them. God is speaking to me. I'm willing to lead us in this effort. Are you willing to be a part of that? And they said in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18, 
Let us arise and build. And they put their hands to the good work. They responded to that invitation by saying, yes, but words are cheap, aren't they? Words are easy. Words could mean nothing. They could have been at a worship service with Pastor Nehemiah, which we know he wasn't, right? He was just a regular guy. We saw that. But they could have been at a, at, a, at a meeting where God was speaking to them, and they could have had an emotional moment. They could have said, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to arise and build. We're going to see this week that they weren't just using words. They were going to stand up and join Nehemiah in that great work. And that's what we want to look at together today. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It's actually really the whole chapter, but we're going to read representative verses out of verses 1 through 10. Now, y'all pray for me. I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm trying to read Hebrew names, okay? All right? Then Eliashib, the high priest, there's one out of the way, arose with his brothers, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel. Next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Emery, built. Now the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, made repairs. And next to him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezebel, that's a good one, multiple, <laughs> uh, what do you call them, syllables, Meshezebel made repairs, and next to him, Zadok, the son of Benah, also made repairs. Moreover, next to him, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not support the work of their masters. Jordah, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodeah, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Next to them, Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maranathah, oh wow, Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and Mizpah also made repairs for the official seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. We're almost there. Next to him, Uziel, the son of Harhiah of the goldsmiths made repairs. And next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, the official of half the capital, the district of, of Jerusalem, made repairs. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Haramoth, made repairs opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of, wow, here's my best one I say for last. Hashabaniah, right? That's pretty close. Made repairs. That's a mouthful of Hebrew names. Amen? Now, we're not going to read, praise the Lord, all those verses. Because I don't think I could get through all those names. But I think those are probably enough to draw out what the Lord's wanting to say to us today through this passage. Write this down. First of all, God's work takes a team of people. All right, now listen. Let's go back. God has spoken to Nehemiah. He stirred on his heart to do this work for the Lord, to help these people. God has called Nehemiah to step out. He's spoken to this peop these people about it. But he's realizing, and they're realizing, that this cannot happen 
without a team of people. Now, as we read down through those verses, it's not hard to notice that there are a lot of names that are mentioned here. And by the way, we only read 10 out of 32 verses. So we only read about a third of the verses or about a third of the names that are involved in this situation who are actually doing something. These people were doing actual work to make this happen. And I don't know if you noticed it as I was reading the verses, but there's a phrase that just keeps kind of being repeated over and over again. In fact, the first half of the passage uses the phrase next to him. And then after that, maybe just to kind of change it up, it uses the phrase after him. But you see those repeated over and over again. There's this Hebrew guy, and he did this, and what? Next to him, there's another Hebrew guy in his house, and he did this, and next to him, and so you can just kind of see it as we walk through those verses. You see it highlighted in those verses on the screen over and over again. There's this guy next to him. There's this guy next to him. All of these people working together. You can almost get a picture of arms being locked, can't you? There are real people with real names who are standing side by side doing the Lord's work. It takes a team of people to do the Lord's work. Amen? Many of us have walked through health issues in our lives. Or maybe you've, maybe you've walked through that with a family member. And often, when that's the case, you hear people use language like we're working with our what? We're working with our team of doctors. Friends, just like when you have a major medical issue in your life that is so big that you need a team, our walk with God requires a team of support for our lives. Have you ever thought about that before? I can't do this by myself. Some of you think, actually you flip it around on yourself. Why, right? You say that. Why can't I do this? And the Lord's trying to speak to some of us tonight. You're not supposed to do it by yourself. God never designed His purpose for your individual life or for us together in His larger work to do it by ourselves. For many years now, we've had a ministry in our church called Celebrate Recovery. And I love that ministry. I love the powerful impact. Hundreds of people have been impacted through that ministry in our church family. It is absolutely incredible. And over the years as I've watched and seen how God has used that ministry, one of the things that I've learned from Celebrate Recovery is that when someone is going through an especially serious issue in their life, listen, we often think about those ministries relating to addiction, and certainly they can be a great help in those situations, but Celebrate Recovery is not just about substance abuse. It's about we've got problems. We've got serious issues in our life. And you know what they've taught me? They've said, Pastor Robbie, you know, we always try to say to people, listen, don't wear yourself out, right? We don't want anybody to wear themselves out doing the Lord's work. Certainly we want to be sacrificial. We want to work hard for the Lord, but don't overdo it. And there's been times when we've talked to our Celebrate Recovery ministry, we've said, hey, you guys be careful. You're almost doing something every night of the week. And they said, we need to. When you're going through something very serious in life, you need to be very intentional about that. 
You need to be on that. You need other people to hold you accountable for that. And so we've learned from that ministry a principle. Listen, obviously it doesn't mean we should be doing things every night of the week. That's not, that's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that when we're going through serious things, when we're trying to accomplish serious things in our life, we need a lot of support in our life. Amen? How about this? I'm a recovering sinner. And I need constant monitoring to make sure that I'm staying on track and not relapsing to my old sinful way of life. If you don't say amen, you're lying right now. Say amen. amen. You ought to, that ought to be coming out of you. That ought to be, yes, I'm glad you said it. Yes, Pastor Robbie, I'm glad somebody else feels that way. I tell you guys this all the time. Listen, no matter how well we might be put, look like we're put together or dressed up, we are all a mess. This week I was saddened as I was reading about a very well-known pastor who apparently made some very wrong decisions. And it broke my heart to hear about those things. And I don't know. I mean, the situation still got to bear out. I don't know what the situation is, but you know what I'm always reminded of? That we all are this far away from really doing some bad things. Amen? I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying the reality that we are sinners. We're recovering from that condition. We will not be fully recovered till we get to heaven. And I need some support. I need some people around me. God's work in our lives requires a team of people and it's not just our own personal lives if if God's ever going to do anything through us as a group of people a church it requires lots of people it requires a team for that to happen you know often in in the world the world sees God's work as sickly the world sees God's work as bless your hearts you're barely hanging on you're just a bunch of you know, a couple, not a bunch of, but a couple of people just trying your best to do some things, but it's not going very well for you. That's the way the world often sees God's work. I'm grateful. When other pastors visit our church family, I'm grateful that they encourage me and say, Pastor Robbie, I've never seen so many volunteers. I've never seen so many people actually involved and in doing something in a church family, and that is so encouraging. But listen, don't compare with other churches. Compare with what God wants us to do. Amen? And by the way, I'm not so sure that their positive assessment is always correct. Amen? We need to ask the Lord to continue to help us. Amen? But I'm just saying, if there is anything good, and I believe it is, let's don't compare with ourselves. Let's don't compare with others. Let's compare with what God wants us to do are we all at the wall amen hey here's another way of putting it maybe a better way are we all at our rightful position at the wall are we all contributing to that work that God is wanting to do 
Are there areas that need attention? And I especially think about this coming out of this time that we've been through. You know what? There's a little bit of a hunker down. Hold on. Let's just get through. But you know what? As we come out the other side of this, we need to regroup. Amen? We need to figure some things out and maybe change some things. Maybe do some things different or maybe reinforce some things that have sort of taken a hit over the last little bit. And by the way, we've got a lot of new things the Lord's put on our heart to do. Amen? We've said this year, the theme is what? The best is yet to come. Amen? There's more that God wants us to do together. God's work takes a team. This passage in Nehemiah shows us that if God is doing something special, Nehemiah could not do it. He was going to have to gather a team of people who were willing to join arms side by side. You cannot get any more clear than that image. Here's a guy next to him. Here's a guy next to him. Here's a guy. It's a very clear image that it takes in God's work. But then if you read these verses a little more carefully, you're going to notice something else. God uses many different kinds of people to do that work. Write that down. God uses many different kinds of people to do that work in and through our lives. I want to teach you something that you may not be aware of. Often when we're reading the Bible and you see a list, what do you do? You skip it, right? <laughs> Pastor Robbie doesn't know how to say those names. I ain't going to mess with them. Amen. I'm just going to skip over. Can I, just, can, I just, can, I, can I just challenge you for a moment? I'm not saying they all have as powerful of a truth as we're about to see here. Or even, by the way, we're going to study this at some point. Have you ever looked at Jesus' genealogy? Jesus' genealogy is a powerful study in God's grace. It is. It's, there's some good stuff if you just stay there a little bit longer. But listen, sometimes it is just for record keeping. I'm glad that God's word is historically true. Amen? There were people who lived during these times... If I had written down, this person was a part of our church, this person was a part of our church, this person was a part of our church, they could have checked it out, right? So if for no other reason, be encouraged that these lists in God's Word tell us that God's Word can be fact-checked. God's Word is true. But they often do contain more details. Think about this list in Nehemiah. First of all, it shows us that not only was Nehemiah gifted by the Lord as a great visionary, but God had also given him some ability as an administrator, right? We've already seen that visionary role, but now there's this list and several others in the book that give names, that give locations, that give responsibilities. They show us Nehemiah. God had specifically gifted him for that role to lead those people with the ability to organize and to administrate and to, to, uh, and to keep records. And he gives a lot of details. He describes the work in a very systematic way. In fact, you'll see some, some uh, images on the screen that show you a couple of different representations of Jerusalem during Nehemiah's day. And, and, and the one on your right side is the one that's a little bit more simple. The one on your left side is a little bit more complex, a little bit more detail. So I want to give you both of those. But if you look at those if you look at the verses in Nehemiah chapter 3, you can literally start from the top right, right hand, the northeast side of that map, and go counterclockwise all the way around. 
So basically, Nehemiah describes the work of the wall as it's being done from the north to the west to the south to the east. And back in verse 32 at the end, it goes back up and finishes in that top right hand corner again. He mentions 10 gates. He mentions some towers. He mentions some other interesting landmarks. Let me just give you one. The very first thing he says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, arose with his brothers and built the sheep gate. Now what we believe was going on there is that this was the actual place in that northeast corner that the sheep would be brought to the temple to be sacrificed. And many people believe that this is a little hint here in Nehemiah because he starts verse 1 with the sheep gate and he wraps it back up again with the sheep gate. We're talking about being right with God. We're talking about a focus on the Lord. Maybe this was a subtle way. This was the priest, by the way. This was the high priest and the other priest. They were starting the work. They were starting it at the sheep gate. Was that a way of them saying as a people, we're putting God first in this thing? Isn't that interesting? So I encourage you, go back and study more of those details sometimes. But what I really want to notice are the people. And the variety of the people. You know, I get to stand up here every week and look at all of you. There's a wide variety of you guys. Amen? There's a lot of different people. Different ages, different, different faces. Different sexes, different, different periods in life, different talents and abilities. And that's exactly what we see in these verses. People with different skills and skill levels. He talks about government officials, rulers of districts in that area. He talks about religious leaders. We've already talked about the priests and the high priests. He talks about men. He talks about women. He talks about professional craftsmen. He talks about unskilled workers. He talks about some people who are professionals in their field but not in craftsmanship. So he talks about goldsmiths, perfume makers, merchants, store owners. Sounds to me like a, a lot like a New Hope mission trip. Amen? And some of you guys that are a ministry team, if you've served the Lord in our church family, doesn't God always put together an interesting group of people? I love when, we get, when we've gone to Texas. You see a, a picture of a, of a group that went to Texas together. When we go to Texas, out of all those people... There's probably four, maybe five, maybe six that really know what they're doing. <laughs> and that's not including the guy on the right. I'm talking about when we've gone to Texas, we've been rebuilding houses. And God bless the skilled workers. Because we have to say, okay, you're going to lead over here and you're going to lead over here and you're going to lead over here and the rest of us are just glad to get you some coffee or Take the garbage out or whatever else you tell us or teach us how to do. Amen. It is awesome to serve the Lord. It is life changing to serve the Lord on a mission trip. Or on a ministry team week in and week out. There were people from Jerusalem. I think this is cool. There were people from other areas. I've never noticed that before. There was like a 15 or 20 mile radius of eight Different other areas. I mentioned the Tekoites, people from Tekoa, from Jericho, from Gibeon, from Mizpah. There were other people that came and helped them rebuild. Isn't that cool? There were people who worked in different locations, different parts of the walls. You see, as, as he mentions those names, he says, this person was working on this part. This working, person was working on this gate. 
So there was different locations, different parts of the wall. But then it says some people worked on their own house, out in front of their own place, but other people helped others around theirs. There were people who did different amounts of work. If you've ever been on a team, you know that's true. Amen? You see the verses on the screen says Merimuth completed one part in verse 4. And then he just decided in verse 21, I, I got time, I'll go ahead and do another section. Isn't it great to have people like that? I got time. The men of Tekoa. It says their leaders did nothing. But they did two main sections. They did in verse 5 and then verse 27. They decided to work on another section as well. I think this is interesting. There were people who had overcome some major challenges in their life. In their families, in their own lives. Malchijah in verse 11, he had gotten in trouble in the book of Ezra. And here he is now contributing to the work of the Lord in Nehemiah. Isn't that interesting? Wait, it's more than interesting, it's encouraging. Amen? Merimuth in verse 4 had a granddad that had gotten in trouble. But his dad and Merimuth seemed to have been getting their, li- their lives more in line with the Lord. And with his work. Isn't it kind of cool? <laughs> Realizing that list of people were real people just like us. And some of them are just like people in this room right now who say, y'all might have some good work to do, and I'm all for you, and maybe the best is yet to come, and I'll join in with you more later, but, but I, I don't think I'm the kind of person. I'm so grateful that this story reminds us that God uses anyone who is open and willing to let him use them. Amen? If you're just coming out of a major mess, Isaiah 59 says the arm of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save. Amen? If your family made a major mess, I'm so glad that Merrimouth in verse 4 reminds us that we can make a difference. Listen, I've often told you, you might have had a terrible family situation. Let's just be the last stop on that train of that mess. Amen? We can make a decision. As for me and my house, in this generation, the Lankford story, fill in your blank, whatever story that is, it's going to be changed by the grace of God. Amen? So again, there's many different kinds of people, and we see that in God's work. Listen, it's not only okay, it's God's design. Isn't that amazing? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I love this verse. But to each one, Hey, if you're looking at, this, at the screen or your Bible, look at me. To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the good of all. Isn't that cool? God gives you things. Listen, we all, if you put your trust in Christ, the Spirit of God lives in you. Thank God. I'm a child of God. He's never leaving me. If you're a child of God, He's never leaving you. But you're not going to see all of Jesus through this body. Do you hear me? We need the body of Christ. To each one, He is given a different manifestation. God wants to be... By the way, that's good news. Because if He didn't tell us about Himself, we'd have never found Him. God wants to be known. And listen, He's banking on most of that happening through me and you. Through you and I working together in this world. To each one, as we're working together, locking arms together... A different part of who Christ is and how He works is seen in this world. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. 
from whom, it's talking about Christ, from whom the whole body, listen, don't get lost in this, but just see how, see how intricate God is describing His body. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. You might think, I'm not even, I'm not even a visible part of the body of Christ. I'm a ligament. Well, you tear a ligament and see how fun your life is. Amen? I'm the toenail on the little toe of the body of Christ. How tall is Shaquille O'Neal? Isn't he over seven foot tall? He was out for a while one time because his little toe was hurting. The little toenail on the toe of the body of Christ matters, doesn't it? According to the proper working, doesn't this sound like Nehemiah? The proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Isn't that an awesome picture? I hope you get something tonight that you never get over. I hope you get a vision for what we're really doing here. Week in and week out, we're trying to do some things, right? We're we're trying to learn, we're trying to grow, we're trying to do some things. I hope you're getting a vision for what it's really all about. It's about God calling all of His little people from across this area to come together in these local gatherings called churches. New Hope's not the only one. There's some other great churches in our area. He calls us together as local churches so that we, He knows that this configuration of people is going to be a great representation if we obey Him to the rest of our community. Isn't that awesome? Think of how that plays out every week. Somebody ministers to the children. While they're doing that, somebody else holds the door. While they're doing that, somebody's playing guitar. They're not doing it right now, but hopefully soon somebody will be making some coffee. Amen? Somebody hands out welcome bags. Somebody preaches the message. Somebody fixed the lawnmower. Somebody volunteered at the soup kitchen kitchen earlier this week. Somebody updates or, or designs the website for us. And through all those different parts, God gets seen. And it's a beautiful picture. Write this down. If we don't allow God to work through our lives, the world doesn't see that part of His good work. As you're writing that, let me read what somebody said. They said, over the centuries, the work of Christ's church has been lovingly maintained by a vast army of women and men who are ready to do anything to further God's cause. Cleaning, catering, magazine preparation, flower arranging, building repairs, home visiting, pamphlet distribution, taking out the garbage, sorting through donated clothes, and scores of other tasks which will never be acclaimed this side of heaven. But they have been done for God's glory and other people's good. Without this passage in Nehemiah 3, these people's identity and contribution would have never been known to us this side of heaven. Except they were known by the Lord. And the surviving record is a reminder to us that their work mattered to God and made a difference, and actually, more correctly, is still making a difference. Isn't that amazing? People that lived thousands of years ago, led by example, did not know it was going to be recorded and written down for us to read later, and we are being motivated to serve God thousands of years later. And it reminds us that what we do matters. And what we do for the Lord makes a difference as well. 
Friend, the point of all that is this. In your walk with God, you need other people. You cannot do it alone. You will not see everything that God... I get it. I get it. Listen, people sometimes will say, you know, religion, my relationship with God is a very private thing. Well, let, let, me, let me kind of give you the nuance the Bible gives. It is absolutely personal, but it was not intended to be private. And it may be something that somebody here needs to grow in. Hey, I get it. When you first start, I just, I need God to save me. Amen. I need God to do a work in my life. Please, God. And then all of a sudden, through teaching like this, through reading God's Word, even through the Spirit of God stirring in your heart for more, right? I'm starting to realize that I might want y'all, not too much yet. Hold on. Give me some time. Amen. But I might want y'all involved in my life. In fact, I might need you in my life. In fact, there might be some things about God that I will never learn by myself in my walk with Him. Friends, unfortunately, church has really blown it a lot. And a lot of people have a lot of very bad feelings about why on earth do I need a church? I can walk with God by myself. I'm sorry that that has happened, but it doesn't negate the fact the truth is God gave us a family to be a part of. And yeah, it's a pain. It's kind of messy. It's hard work, but it's worth it. We need each other, amen? God uses different people in our lives and in the work that He is doing in our church family. The last thing I want to share with you is this. When we all do that, when we all work together like that, we can accomplish a lot. You know, many times when people talk about lists of people at church, they talk about, sometimes people who have been a part of church for a while, they talk about a membership role, as if there's like this list that we have that like, you know, you can get on. Like, like I joined the church and I'm a member and I'm a part of a club, basically. And so I'm on a list and I'm identified as being a part of that group, that club. I'm not doing anything, I just want to make sure I'm included on the list. The well-known evangelist D.L. Moody said this, A great many Christians have a false idea about the church. That the church is a place to rest in. To get a cushioned seat. To contribute to the charities that the church is involved with. To listen to the pastor share a message. And to do their share to keep the church out of going under financially. And that's all they want. The idea of work for them, actual work for the Lord in his church, never even enters their mind. By the way, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, you should ask the Lord why. I said it's not a place of rest. You know what I'm talking about there, the sense of for us to rest easy. Certainly, I hope you're experiencing right now. Amen. Good night. What a week. I'm glad I can come rest in the Lord. Amen? That's not what we're talking about. This passage reminds us why our church calls it partnership really more than membership. This list of people in Nehemiah was not a roll call of people that had signed up for something, a stale list of inactive names in some club. This was a record of people, many people, 
who had taken action and done some stuff for God together. Someone said worshipers in future generations who look at these names will realize that they are following. This is us. We are following in the steps of devoted people who have loved Christ in the past. Isn't that awesome? You're going to meet some people one day who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And they said, Tag, you're it. And we took the baton. And in our generation, we did to the best of our ability with God's help by His grace. Together, we did our part. And if the Lord waits, we're going to hand it off to the next generation. Amen? Devoted people who love Christ, maintain the church's witness, and serve others. And whether anyone else knew about their contribution or not, it is being recorded. It does matter. And that can never be taken away from them. From the beginning of this chapter, it speaks of action. Like I said, back in verse 18, these people had committed to action. They said, let us arise and build. But as of that point, it was just words. Now, in chapter 3, if you read, they built. They actually did some things. They built some things. They hung some doors. The word built is used six times at least in this passage. They devoted some things to God. We talked about that sheep gate, right? That one is said to be consecrated to the Lord. Again, I think a hint of the priority they were giving to the place of sacrifice. That we're realizing this is all for God. And again, it ended back up there in verse 32. They consecrated that to the Lord. They made repairs. The word repair is used at least 35 times in this chapter. Over and over again, you hear words of action. And later we're going to find out that these same people did something that others were not able to do for 150 years. They got done in 52 days. Mic drop. Amen. You just want to say, what all you people been doing? Amen. It was possible to get this wall up in 52 days. Why have we been waiting 150 years? Friend, this is how God's people act. How God's people respond, how we live. We are to be people of action, of engagement, of involvement, of participation, of partnership. We don't just talk about things. We do things. Write that down. God's people are people of action. But unfortunately, the world mostly knows Christians for talking. Now, I'm not trying to minimize talking. How will they know unless someone tells, right? So we need to talk, but we also need to act. And I don't mean to make a direct correlation with our situation, but just to kind of encourage you. The last great awakening that came through this area was about 200 years ago. Why couldn't if a bunch of us just decided to get serious about the Lord and sense His call for us together? I don't know if it's going to be 52 days, but it doesn't have to be 200 more years. Amen? Hasn't the Lord given us some things to do? Those goals that we've talked about? Friends, God has given us a vision. Some real things to do. If you and I were to say, we're not sure what to do, God's given us that. We've communicated that vision, and most of you have 
in some way responded to that in a positive way. All right, so you ready? So the question is, are we going to do it together? All right, all right, you ready? Over the next few months, who is actually going to get trained as a Christian counselor? We're offering training because we're saying we want to develop a counseling ministry. Who is actually going to be trained as a counselor? Will we? Will we actually foster children like we say we want to? Will we actually adopt children into our families like we say? Will we develop care ministry in our church? Will we continue to develop that so that there is a care net? And so that if there's ever a large need in our church or even small needs that we can meet through our groups, through our, our growth groups, will we actually do that? Will we actually raise up youth leaders, kids' church leaders, greeters? Will we actually go to other communities and start other churches? Will we do that? We've said we want to do that. We said God's calling us to do that. Will we raise up pastors and their families to go and to actually start those churches? Will we teach kids soccer? Will this room be a basketball court during the winter when you can't play soccer outside? And we'll expand our sports ministry maybe to even adults, kids and adults. Will people actually next weekend go to our Missions Institute, learn? Listen, wait, 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 wait. It's making me and Pastor Adam nervous about our institute. We don't want, we don't want to misrepresent. We're not just going to go talk about a bunch of stuff for the rest of our lives. Amen? We're going to be exposed to how God could use us as a church to touch the nations. And we're actually going to do it. Amen? That's why I told you, if you don't have your passport, you're not serious. Really, because you can't go. I can say all day I want to go, but if you don't have your passport, you're not serious yet. Is anybody actually going to go get your passport? You know what? God spoke to me last year. I gave that challenge, and I went home and figured out my passport was expired. Oh, no, it was a year and a half ago. You know what I did? I went and got my passport. You know what happened? In six months, I was in South Asia. Praise the Lord. Amen. I could not have gone if I had not gone home after that message and said, I need to go get my passport. Will we actually, will anybody actually over the next 40 days pray and do without food in some measure or maybe fast something else? Will anybody actually do that? Or are those just things we talk about? Friends, over the next few months, will we wrap up that Disciple 500 emphasis? And listen, start moving toward Disciple 1,000. Isn't that what we said we're trusting God to do? We're going to disciple our 500, and then we're moving on to those 500 going out and discipling 1,000. And remember, this is not work for any one person. It's for the body. But if we all do our bodily part that God has put us here for, we can do it. We can actually do a lot. You know what I'm beginning to realize is that God's work is not quite as elusive as we try to make it. But it is kind of rare to see major work for the Lord. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But that's why we're turning to His Word. That's why we're encouraging one another in these ways. 
That's why we're stepping out. That's why we're praying. Because God help us. We won't do it without Him. Amen? But we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We can't do everything in this world. But God hasn't called us to do everything. God didn't call Nehemiah to build every wall that needed to be built. But He gave him what he needed to build the walls around Jerusalem. You know, I said earlier that what we're talking about may be a part of the spiritual journey that you didn't know about, and honestly, you may not like, for whatever reason. Maybe you don't trust church. Maybe you don't trust people. Maybe you don't feel comfortable being with others in this journey for whatever reason. But friends, God's trying to challenge us all. At some point, you got to bring some others in. You're going to need a team. You cannot do this alone. We need, really, a family. Amen? There might be some biological orphans in this world, but there should never be any true orphans because God has put a family in this world that anyone can be a part of if they will trust Him. Amen? I want to ask you to bow your head for a moment. And I want to think about some real things. I want you just to not tune out and just let these be words. I want you to think about each one of these questions. Who have you allowed to be a part of God's work in your life? Besides you and the Holy Spirit. And is God calling you to bring in someone now? Or maybe you have a few, but God's calling you to bring in more. Why would you not take all the help you can get that God has provided? Do you know anyone in the body of Christ really well? Does anyone know you really well? Do you know anyone well enough that they could encourage you tonight? They could challenge you? They could come alongside you and teach you in some way? Has anyone ever discipled you? Or is someone mentoring, discipling you right now to help you learn what it means to follow Jesus? What group are you in? Who are you teaming up with to do ministry together? Not alone. For our church family, if this work that God is doing through New Hope depended on some part that you are to do, how is that going right now? Think about that again. If God put you not to do what I do, and I can't do what you do, if God put you in this family to make some difference, is that difference happening right now? You might say, Pastor Robbie, I don't know what it is. Okay, then start there. God says, if you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. So just be honest and say, Lord, I don't have a clue what contribution I could make to your work. But by faith, I trust that I'm a part of the body of Christ. And I have a place. God, will you show me what that place is? 
What little kid is learning Old Testament Bible stories because you're teaching them? What single mom is being encouraged by a smiling face like yours that's opening the door? Whose life is silently but eternally being changed because you are a prayer warrior praying for real needs of real people in our church family? Who over the next year is going to be having marriage difficulty, but you're going to lead them to places in God's Word and pray with them and encourage them and help them map out a plan for God to rescue that marriage. Father, today I thank you for speaking to me and for speaking to all of us, Lord, that we can't do this by ourselves. Thank you for Nehemiah. Thank you for all that you're teaching us through his story. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts. Lord, Christians are growing. We're changing. We're being transformed. We're stepping out. We're doing things we never thought we would do. We're going to go places. We're going to talk to people. We're going to make a difference that we never knew we were going to make. And Lord, the most important work of all is that people give their lives to you. I wonder if there's somebody watching us online right now. Maybe somebody here in this room who would say, I need to get my life right with God. I need for my sins to be forgiven. Would you, dear friend, would you just, would you just turn to the Lord and say, God, thank you for sending your son to die for my sins. Thank you that he rose again and defeated what would have destroyed me forever. Jesus, I give my life to you. I want to follow you. I ask you to forgive me and to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you that almost on a weekly basis, people are making that decision. Help us to continue to make a difference for eternity in the lives of people who so desperately need your hope and your salvation. This is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.